And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The U, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge. It's a pain thing when we walk through, with the U ain't no bark, dude, straight dog when we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright lights. It's All right, welcome back, new episode, Manny Navarro here, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for the Athletic Wide Right Podcast, Kelvin Harris is with me. Carlos Leather was with me. It's uh, 9.30 at night on January 22nd, Friday night, and this is the fourth MFing take that we've have had here of trying to get this damn podcast off the ground, man. And I and I, and I I don't want to do an intro anymore, so I'm just going to ask you, how is the offseason going? I, I was trying to prepare some wings and some pork shoulder to grill on the weekend, and, and the yep. last time we tried to say that to you guys, I lost connection. I couldn't hear. The, 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 the offseason was going The off season was going great for me until I spent the last 12 hours recording <laughs> this podcast with you. Yeah, and I think part of the reason is, you know, as we were saying, I was saying earlier, is that, you know, we have to take into account your heritage now because you're not properly cooking the pork. I mean, I'm, I'm why not, is no. the pork buried in your backyard with the head up? No, I mean pork hey. shoulder. This is going to Publix, buying you know a couple of pounds. Oh of pork my shoulder, gosh! Seasoning it. I, this is this sounds a little. This sounds a little Caucasian to me. Yeah, it really does. Uh, listen, I apologize, guys. Maybe I'm just not cool enough for you guys, but that's the way I roll, and and I, and it's delicious every time I cook it. By the way, it's it's fabulous. I can't wait to dig into it Sunday during the AFC and NFC Championship games. Which, oh by the way, I, I should mention this from the top because we're going to try to make the fourth take a little bit different. Three Hurricanes playing in the AFC and NFC Championship games, trying to get there. Can you name them all? Jonathan Garvin. For the Packers. That's right. That's Jay, one. Jaquan Johnson. Uh-huh. Let's see. We've got left the Bucks, And who else is left? The Chiefs. No Hurricanes on either one of those. Well, uh, oh, and uh, Mongo. Mongo. There we go. Mongo. Mongo Feliciano. That's what we're down to for the AFC Championship A game. A real Cuban. Right, the real Cuban. <laughs> it's so it's been so frustrating because I feel like we've had I don't know fourteen different good conversations and none of them have been recorded so far today. So I'm a little frustrated. Well, add, add in the one hour conversation that we had on the phone that was even better than anything we've done so far. <laughs> right, where we started talking about what I wanted to talk about, which is how close is Miami to really being a championship contender? How uh, how far along are they? And you know your homework assignment, Carlos, you gave me this homework assignment last week. You sent me this text message. These are all the stories that I'm interested in, in reading about how did, you know, how did Miami fall apart? How do they get there again with recruiting all these? You gave me like 40 different orders and you said, have this all done for me next week and, and ready to read in the athletic. Well, you missed it. You have to also do it in APA style. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let, let, let's start. I mean, look, there's been a lot of news, and I'll recap it quickly, okay? There's been a lot of news. The last time we did a podcast together, which was the Thursday right before Manny Diaz announced he had hired Jess Simpson as a defensive line coach and promoted DeMarcus Van Dyke, 
uh, and basically decided he was going to take over the play calling with the defense. That was the big story at the end of last week. We, of course, did our podcast right before that. Then, you know, the news has sort of progressed where Manny actually did an interview, which, you know, nobody's been able to talk to him. But, of course, QAM does because they've got Joe Rose and they've got the broadcast, right? So Manny goes on there, does his thing, talks to Joe Rose, and then Demarcus Van Dyke did an interview as well. And then, you know, the news this week is Nikosi Perry gets out of the uh, transfer portal, and then we everybody goes freaking out. Oh, my God, Nikosi's coming back, to which the reality is he wasn't. He was just coming back to graduate. And then, of course, nine early enrollees, which I guess Kane Sport 247, who spend their entire lives talking to who these dudes, nine guys are going to enroll early. So that's been all the news. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I'm saying, who, are the nine who are the nine guys? Well, you want me to read them off? Let me read yeah. them off right here off of the Kane Sport article. Um, that everybody else seems to get their news from. All right, Elijah Arroyo. Oh, that's uh, Andres Borges. Big time. Oh, yeah. Romelo Brinson. Big time. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Romelo Brinson is that's huge. Keep Thomas, going. Keep... Thomas Davis, Jake mm-hmm. Garcia. Yeah, that's huge too. Cameron Kitchens, Michael mm-hmm. McLaughlin, Chase Smith, and Deshaun Troutman. Yep, those, those are good ones. Those are the guys. And then, of course, you got the three transfers, Tyreek Stevenson, Charleston Rambo, and DeAndre. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I know the fans are going to get excited by Jake Garcia. I'm excited by Romelo Prince. Me too. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I think the easiest position for somebody to come in to make an impact as a freshman is wide receiver. I just – I just, I think this kid has got it. I'm hoping that he can be the breakout star we need. I mean – Amar Richards was a special talent. I mean, when you look at what he did and you look at the program, he did something that's, I mean, really it's rarely ever been done. In well, I well, mean, look at what's, what's happened since he, since he went out. Have, they haven't had a receiver yeah. like that since. I mean, we, we lost the first pick in the draft. You know how much that changes your team? Now, Romello is not going to be as fast as uh, Armand, but he's very versatile. I mean, he can play the Z spot. He can play the Y or the slot spot. And even some X. He can play all three positions. Um, He barbecued the Marshall kid from uh, from, uh, Palmetto. Palmetto, right. I mean, he's got wiggle to him. He's got that swag. And it's just something about them city kids. And he attacks the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean. Uh, there's 12 receivers, 12 scholarship receivers on the roster. And right now, I just I'm going to be honest with you. You think he can come in and win a starting job? I don't think. Maybe not start, but I think he'll get a lot of playing time. I think he can make a rotation. Listen. This is going to be the most competitive spring we've had at the University of Miami. And, man, a long time. And not only yes. that, not only that, but I think we got a receiver with, who can make the University of Miami Hall of Fame in terms of all-time names in Charleston Rambo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, listen, here's the thing. Rambo is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Now, he had actually more drops last year than the guys who remained nameless, six and eight. But when you watch him play, 
If you watched him in 19 with Jalen Hurts, or excuse me, with uh, yeah, with, with Jalen Hurts, uh, or even in 18 with Kyler Murray, it was a different kid. For whatever reason, he didn't bond well with Spencer Rattler. But one of the things he does do is that he can create separation from the slot and from the Z. And looking at his build and what he plays, number six is not starting anymore. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I don't think Spencer Rattler has has figured out how to how to dev- like how to use his ball in different ways. Because you know as a quarterback you gotta be able to no, throw it. No. You can't throw it 100 miles an hour every time, and you got to be able to no, touch on the ball. You got to you got to use the ball different ways, and I think Jalen Hurts did a hell of a lot better than that. Yeah, he um, he he he. I can see him bonding with the Air King, and I think you know he's coming here with the chip on. Technically, he's got two he's got two seasons left, but he's coming to UM try and get up out of here in one. If you look at the makeup of our receiver situation, you, Manny, you said there's 12 receivers, right? So there's 12 receivers. Um, so you got an X a slot, a Z. The X position is number eight. I think Keyshawn Smith, number eight, possibly 83 uh, Redding. When you look at Z position, it's number six. It's Rambo and more than likely Brinson. Then when you go to slot, Harley's the starter. And behind him, Restrepo maybe. Uh, I guess more. Do you think do you think they'll play mix. do you think they'll play Rambo outside along with Harley and maybe try and play six inside? In the slot? No. I think, I think six is back seat to eleven. I, I would see right now Rambo as the Z, Harley as the slot, and then the battle will be between. I think twelve, eighty three, eighty eight, and eight for that X position. Uh, Brinson will probably play a little slot, a little Z. And then, you know, you got Mallory as the tight end. And we're not and even talking about Brashard Smith in that slot, too, when he comes on. Yeah, but see, he's not going to be there for, for spring. So he's going to have to catch up. But I think um, I think when he comes in, and then I know he's been recruited as a corner, but I got a chance to see a lot of Malik Curtis. And he is explosive with the ball in his hands. And I would love to see him. You know what worries what worries me about him? I think he's uh he reminds me a lot of Devin, in the sense that he's got all this ability, and and they might not be able to find the spot form where it works best. Because you remember when Devin was here, they tried to figure it. They had him on teams. Well, he was a returner, but on, there was on, a different. There's a different on, reason why they couldn't find a spot for Devin. And, you know, it was picking up the playbook. But yeah, this yeah. kid is totally different. This kid never came off the field when he was uh. Who's at Bishop Baroque. I mean, not only did he play offense and defense, but he returned punts and kicks. And he was explosive in all three areas. And with him and Bashard Smith, we've got two legitimate home run hitters coming in to uh, 
to help them. And how, how long has it been since the Hurricanes have had a legitimate return threat? I don't, I don't know. Travis Benjamin, maybe? Maybe. That's probably it. Barrios was good, and he was solid as a punt returner. Yeah, and the kid last year wasn't bad. Uh, what's that kid's name? AJ Osborne. But let's look at it. We're talking about. You know what? And to me, to me, you, you as the O line, as an O line guy, Kelvin. Mm-hmm. To me, the the most interesting battles are going to be on that offensive line with Navon coming back. This is going to be the deepest offensive line we've right. had. Yep. Even going back past two thousand and one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So I, I, I like that battle with Navon coming back, Isaiah Walker and Jalen Rivers pushing people. And I, my, my guys Isaiah that I, I think are in trouble, to me, DJ Scape had a shitty year. He had a terrible year. And I think Corey Gaynor wasn't where he, where he needed to be. So they better put their hats on and play ball. Now, Corey's going to start at center, but the guard position is up in here. Um, but Ja'Kai is a steady kid. Um, he's getting better. He really should have been red-shirted his first year. You know, that's the problem we had. And I think this year we get to catch up because now here's the thing. We got a potential first-round draft pick at left tackle. We got a returning now five-year starter. <laughs> At right tackle. I think this guy started like this will be his fourth or fifth year starting. So he's seen a lot. And then he spent the last half of the year injured. His hand was hurt. So he's gonna yeah, I think I, I think Jared Williams has a kid that's gonna be starting at right tackle somewhere <laughs> this season. Jared yeah. Williams has 29 career starts and 2207 snaps. At the FBS level, so that's a little bit. That's a little bit. Yeah, they got. Last year he started. Wait a minute. uh, What we played eleven. He started ten games, so he started nineteen games at Houston. So 
when you do the math, Manny, you said, okay, we got two guys with over 30 starts and Scaife and uh, Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Then you got four guys with 20 or more starts. Uh, uh, Ja'Kai, Zion, Corey, Jared. And, and Jonathan then, Campbell split a lot of ball too. Yeah, and then you got John Campbell who started about five or seven. And then Osman Treor started two games. Yeah, let's, let's not see him start anymore. Well, you know what? He he physically is not bad. It's just that learning the playbook. But guess what? But you know what? Funny enough, funny enough, Kelvin, that's the same thing my wife said to me when she accepted my proposal. Physically, he's not that bad. I guess he's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, look, he's going to have an entire spring to catch up on the mental aspect of the game. And then let me tell you something. Don't sleep on Cleveland Reed. Garen really likes Cleveland Reed. Um, he made progress this year learning to play center because that helped him learn the playbook a little quicker. Um, Isaiah Walker is not going to play next year, but he will get some mop-up duty. And then the guy that you need to watch is Jalen Rivers. I would not be surprised when we start the season against Alabama that our right guard is 340-pound Jalen Phillips, Jalen Rivers, excuse me, and our left guard is 360-pound Nervon Donaldson. And, and I'm going to throw a hot take in here right now. The 22 offensive line is going to be better than the 21. It could be because I think Jalen Rivers moves out the right tackle or John Campbell moves out the right tackle. Um, big baby Ryan Rodriguez and McLaughlin and uh, Isaiah Walker all in the mid, yeah, to 22 and 23 are going to be beats. My God. Listen, I know, I know, Manny, you've done the stats, but the one thing you got to look at is, you know, our fan base has criticized Manny and got a whole bunch of fans that said we should have never hired the guy because he wasn't a proven coach. Well, neither was Ryan Day. Worked out pretty good for Ohio State. But let me tell you yep. what this guy and his staff have done. They have rebuilt the team at the two real skill positions, O-line and D-line. That's where it all starts. We we have six competent defensive tackles. Um, Chance Williams is a young and -and up-and-coming pass rusher. And the big move getting DeAndre Johnson helps us not play guys before they're ready. So when we play Alabama, Jafari Harvey and DeAndre Johnson should be the third. There is nothing that Alabama's going to throw at DeAndre Johnson that's going to, one, scare him, or two, surprise him. Because he has been bumping heads with them for the last three years. And Jafari Harvey was born ready. I mean, he was, he was raised at, at Vero Beach by a former Kane. And a classmate of mine, Randy Bethel, who's done a great job of putting guys in the league, you know, in college. As a matter of fact, he'll have two D linemen playing in that game on opposite sides. Because Keontae Colt will be for Alabama. He'll be a true freshman. And he's got Jafari Harvey on our side. So this is a huge year for us because this is the year we catch back up. We've been playing 
we, we've been like everybody else is at the start line. We've been 10 yards behind, five yards behind because, you know, the probation got us behind the eight ball on the scholarships. And then over the last three, four, five years, we've had too many kids leave prematurely. And it's depleted us with depth and experience. And let me tell you, and Mike's going to hate to hear this, but you're talking about the starting line analogy. Manny Diaz has used the transfer portal as Usain Bolt to get us ahead of the game. Oh, my gosh. Listen, our team is now, our, our program is now the template for how to use the transfer portal. Now, you can't build your program on the transfer portal, but if you're a JUCO kid right now, you're in trouble because why would I go get a JUCO kid when I can go to this transfer portal? There are, what, many? How many kids are in the transfer portal right now? Like 1,500? Yeah, I mean, it's overflowing. If you if you look at uh, the amount of names that are in there, and, and really well, all it is, is is guys that, are freeing themselves, freeing the schools that they were going to from, you know, giving them a scholarship. And well, well, let me ask you a question. The unfortunate thing, though, Kelvin, and the tricky part with all of this is, we still haven't gotten to the point though where it, there's a balance, where there's a check and balance. And and what I mean by that is, you're still only allowed to sign 25 with initial scholarships. Now I can, I know you can move things around, right? You can take from a future class, right? You can you can say I'm going to take spots to bring somebody in from the 22 class or or whatever gray shirt guys, but the reality is I'm not sure most Power Five teams are ever going to get back to using their full 85 scholarship allotment because once you have 25, how many teams? teams, Let's be honest, are there any teams with just with with the full 85? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I haven't sat there and looked at every single roster. To break it down, but I can tell you that you know it, this year coming up, there will be teams that are over eighty-five, and that's only because of COVID. Because you know guys like yeah, Jerry Williams don't count, right? Those scholarships don't count towards the eighty-five. Now, I can tell you from talking to Nicole Auerbeck, who you know she breaks every story. She's a sports writer of the year in yeah, terms of college football. I mean, she's she's the best, and she talks to people at the NCAA, and that twenty-five may not change it's not going to change for 21 that's a fact that's not changing but it might change for 22 and with the transfer portal right because there's too many coaches and too many athletic directors clamoring clamoring for it to change because of the reason nobody gets close to 85 because once you hit the 25 limit like i said you are coloring outside the lines and do like what Miami did with Jalen phillips right i get why i get i get why they put a cap on it because you know quick history lesson back before okay when I played, there was 95 scholarships, mm-hmm. and you could sign, I think, 30 guys. Mm-hmm. Well, before – Those Bear Bryant days. Exactly, and I was just about to get to that. What Bear Bryant would do, and Fred Akers at Texas, places like that, Michigan, Ohio State, they would sign 50 guys. And they would sign the last 20, so you couldn't sign. So they would have guys just sitting around, not playing, because they didn't want you to have them. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, then when I got, when I came along, it got to 30 and, you know, 95. And it was, uh, you know, that was quality football. Uh, 
you had Rome and, you know, you it was real tough for there as a true freshman. If you played as a true freshman, you was a freak because you're talking about 22-year-old guys, you know, fifth-year seniors. And back then, coaches had stability, you know, you had which, which by like, the way, uh, I'm gonna throw in a little plug for myself. The MIA all day podcast. I'm gonna have one of those guys that played as a freshman in '88 who moved into the starting lineup. A man, oh, Chuck. Chuck Farms, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, well, Ch- Charles is a prime example. Um, he came in, he came in with Trishner in '87 because the year four you had Fullerton. Bain, um, Selwyn Brown, Benny Blades, um, and then Donnie Ellis was the uh, starting corner. So you had, and then who was the sixth guy? So you had four seniors, two juniors. All right, and then Robert Bailey got in, started playing a little bit. So you come back the next year, and they plug in Kenny Berry and Bobby Hart along with Bubba, and then Donnie comes in later. You know, he missed, the, I think he missed the first couple of weeks because he was recovering from knee surgery. All right, so eventually, you got Kenny Berry playing, and it doesn't work out. They move, they move Kenny, move Bubba, like the corner, and they put Charles in at free safety, and it worked. And so Charles started, I want to say, seven games maybe. Um which was rare because before then, I don't think they'd ever had, you know, in the, you know, leading it up to it, there wasn't, you know, you weren't playing. Um, Michael Irvin, who was probably would be on the Mount Rushmore of UM, was red-shirted as a true freshman. Um, Jerome Brown started a little bit. Sapp was red-shirted. Russell Maryland, you know, was an afterthought. Cortez was an afterthought, you know, even in his first year from JUCO. Yeah, it, it's tough to play as a young guy back then. So, it, you know, but then they moved it to 85, and then the draft changed. They dropped the rounds in the draft, and then they allowed guys to leave early. Which is why I think it's it's very important that all these guys that came back decided to come back because that adds depth, creates well, competition, also, also, and it allows those young guys to, to develop. It was also the smart thing to do because if you're John Ford, why are you leaving? To be a free agent? Well, guys, then, here, here's I, the thing. I got some numbers when it comes. I'm just going to share this right now because I, I looked it up and, and I wanted to share it about how much freshmen play. Um, among the power five, you know, 64 power five teams, okay? These are guys who are part of the freshman class. They're not draft eligible until 2024, Okay. There's only 59 guys across the country in power five teams that played more than 200 snaps, 59. So, you know, to me, when you play 200 snaps, you have a role on a team. When you play less than that, you're kind of hit and miss. You're really not playing. So, again, you know, you talk about how many freshmen there are, and and I'll look it up. Let me look up the final number of how many there were Uh, just among power five teams. There were 378. So what's the percentage of that? 378 freshmen that played meaningful minutes? That played at least one snap. At least one snap? Yep. I'm okay. talking about an offense. and This is offensive players. So 
59 divided by that's three. roughly roughly 16 percent 16 percent on offense and now i'm going to look up defense to do uh to do uh defense yeah but you gotta look at it all right let's take Tariq stevenson for instance i did not know he was redshirted his freshman year because mm-hmm. i guess what happened was all right let, let's go back from the moment he got to Georgia, he wanted to be he wanted to be gone. Okay. Okay. At some point, they figured that out and they started planning, but they didn't play him enough for him to lose his freshman stats. Because mm-hmm. he didn't he started playing at the end of the year. They made a role for him. Okay. So last year. He played more, but you know, let's look at this. This guy will be a third year freshman, and he's probably played how many snaps did he play last year? Tyreek Stevenson. Well, pro- probably yeah. the reason he went to Georgia was you know Tennessee was using the McDonald's bags. I'm sure Georgia <laughs> was probably using the, the Carl's Juniors bags. Wendy's. They won Wendy's. I'll look it up now as you guys are talking here, but um, hold on a second. He played 412 snaps last season, and as a freshman, he played 223. So he played the majority of those in the last quarter of the season. Right. So, you know, you you get guys like that. Um, Now, he's had experience. He's played at the top level and some big – I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he started against uh, Cincinnati, right? Yeah, he's starting in Cincinnati, Mississippi State, Auburn, Arkansas, and that's it. Started so, four games last year. Yeah, so you got a guy that's come in, and he's got a lot of experience. You know what I'm saying? So let's look at this. We've got four corners that have started experience coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's competition. I mean, well, it's going to be – it's unfortunate that Al can't can't play in the spring. Let's just pray for his uh, full recovery because if he comes back, we're deep at corner mm-hmm. because Dunson and Clark are going to be good too. Well, I did a I did an entire article on the exact experience for like returning starting experience and then also just how many snaps guys have played. So I'll go through it real quickly. If you want to read it, it's at, available at theathletic.com. But <clears throat> safeties. Shameless plug. Yeah. You got three guys, actually four guys with starting experience because Brian Balaam started one game. Yes. Um you got Amari Carter and Gervin Hall. With over 1,200 snaps, Bubba Bolden with 10 starts and 800 snaps. Well, um, now, now, now Manny, let me, ask you, let me ask Manny a question first. I know you're going with Amari, but mm-hmm. you have you have listed Amari Carter in the article right? as coming back. I haven't seen anything about him coming back. Are you breaking news? No, no, I'm not trying to break news. I'm just providing the information. I, he hasn't announced I, he's leaving, so I have to assume he's I, coming I don't back. think he's coming right. back. He may not be. I mean, he may not be. I don't know. I haven't uh, reached out to Amari or, you know. Well, from, from I, I heard well, he was at. I was heard. I heard he was at the shooting range trying to knock out some more targets. 
Well, he's only well, played 12 snaps in the last three years due to targeting. <laughs> from, what, from what my quote-unquote sources are telling me, he gone. Okay. Which, um, but to be honest with you, perplexes me. Yeah, I don't know where he's going. Maybe he's transferring schools or something. Who knows? Um, no, he's going in the draft. I don't if, – if, if what was told to me is true and from where it's coming from, it's more than likely true, it makes no sense. Okay. Jonathan uh, Ford played this right. He basically was headed off the deep end of a cliff in this draft. Yeah, he would have been, been an undrafted free agent. Dane Brugler, who is an excellent draft analyst in my mind, um, told me he'd be an undrafted free agent if he left. Yes. So, and, and then, you know, I know the fans are upset at, at McLeod coming back, but he gets a chance to make a transition. And I think he probably won't get drafted because I don't think he's going to start, but he will play enough to possibly make an impact on the field. I think he could be a Scott Patchen type player at that position, oh, to be honest Scott. with you. And that's no offense to Scott Patchen. I mean, I, I just think you, you, you just insulted Scott Patchen. You I know I probably know. did. I feel, I'm, I apologize. As, as Scott. A matter, he's, as he's a good matter dude. of fact, <laughs> I'm going to DM, DM him right now and tell him <laughs> to, you know, when he's in Florida to come over, I'm going to give him your address and have him kick you in the, in the balls. Just, just for or eat, or eat some of the dry ribs and the, uh, the oh, by the way, Scott is one of those seventh year guys, right? He's coming back yes, to Colorado state. Well, I talked to Scott a couple weeks ago and you know, cause I used to talk to Scott all the time when he was uh, at UM. He's a good kid. And his dad, God, yeah, was yoked up. Well, Scott said, look, it didn't make sense. And he accentuated my point. It didn't make sense for me to leave. There's not going to be a combine. You're not going to be able to do in-person workouts. Um, our season was abbreviated. Although he had seven and a half sacks and I believe four games. So he said, I get an extra degree. I get a full spring, get a full fall. And then I kind of threw this at him. I said, man. Wouldn't it be crazy if you could come back to UM? I mean, think about this. We need a veteran defensive end. Right. He can rush the passer. He could. Although now you I mean, can't take him because your 25 initials are used up. So, Well, I, you, know what, you, know what's, you know what's one thing that's, being, that's, that's overlooked a little bit is because of all these guys coming back and the additional depth on the roster is, how good is the special teams going to be? Oh, yeah. Because Right. Now you got guys. You got to get better on kick on coverage. Team. You got to get better on kick coverage and punt coverage. I don't think they were absolutely kick coverage. And I think wait, I think they'll be a lot better this? because of that. Wait a minute. We we didn't. How many returns did we have on us? Like three for the whole year. I mean, one of them went for a touchdown, out? didn't it? North Carolina State. Yeah, you had one. Okay. Yeah, all right. So there That's was not a good one. percentage if you only had three come out and one went back <laughs> to the house. I mean, <laughs> that's that's not Beamer ball, baby. That's not Beamer ball. Listen, let me tell you something. The brother's leg is as good or better. <laughs> Andres Borregales, right? Yes. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, so we're talking about the guys coming back for next season and, you know, the amount of experience coming back. And, you know, obviously we, we touched on the offensive line. We talked a little bit about the secondary at safety. Uh, we hit some on the defensive line, uh, talked some about uh, the receivers. We spent a lot of time talking about receivers, quarterback. Obviously, we know De'Ara King is going to be back uh, in time, according to Manny Diaz, what he said earlier this week. What we have yet to talk about in this fourth installment of the Wide Right Podcast on Friday here as we record at 10 o'clock at night is the defensive coaching changes. I know we did that in the first three installments, but those don't count because we lost them. So Carlos, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me get your first thoughts or your fourth thoughts on the defensive coaching changes. Manny Diaz deciding ultimately that he needs to call plays that he's going to keep Blake Baker and that, you know, he's going to bring in Jess Simpson back on the defensive line, promote DeMarcus Van Dyke to improve the recruiting at cornerback uh, we, you know, we talked about it, you know, before it happened last week and then the next morning, Manny Diaz decided to announce it. But now that we officially know that this has all happened, um, well, what are Barry your broke it. I mean, he was just <laughs> smoking right. on his fumes. Yeah, he was on the sidelines. Yeah. Well, listen, um, a lot of fans were upset that Blake wasn't gone. But I think Manny made a business decision. And thought about, first of all, what is this buyout going to cost me? Then second, who can I go out and get? And third, and most importantly, is this guy better than I am to call a defense on Saturdays? And I think Manny came up with the decision that, you know what? This is, this is all going to fall on me. At the end of the day, if this defense isn't right, it's going to be my head on the line. And I don't believe that anybody's better than me that's out there right now that I, get, that I can get to call this defense. So I'm going to go ahead and take the reins. I'll leave Blake in there to coordinate on, on weekdays to, to come up with a game plan. And I think the, the guys that he's brought on with T-Rob, not just for recruiting and DVD coming on the field, they're going to be additional voices to give something different than, uh, you know, Ephraim Banda used to give and used to be this click between Banda, Patkey, and Baker. Now you've got different voices saying, why are we doing it this way? Why don't we do it that way? And being a little bit more aggressive on Saturdays, I expect that's going to be a lot better. And I think Jess Simpson is a big upgrade on the defensive line because not only can he go out and recruit if, you know, once COVID's over or the ability to go out there and recruit opens up the opportunity to go out and meet kids and he's, he's opens up the pipeline in Georgia, but he's a great technician. And I think that's a, that's a plus. Yeah. Um, Justin was a car. And I think that really solidifies coaching staff. And gives us a chance to possibly uh, 
bring this thing home. Um, I know Blake Baker is a uh, easy target, but you know, as I said in the earlier non-recorded uh, segment, part of the problem is playing mobile quarterbacks. You can't just go cover zero bump because you need to have eyes on the quarterback. And then on third and long situations, anything third and ten plus, you you just want to rally the troops in front of throw. Make them throw it in front of you and, make, and make the tackle. But the problem is they didn't play the technique properly a lot of times. That the in front of them and uh, we don't make the tackle. We let a guy get a uh, first down. And, you know, that can't happen. So I just think that, you know, Manny is probably the best defense coordinator we can have right now. But he's not going to be doing it alone. I mean, you got T-Rob, who's coordinated, and who's familiar with Alabama. Uh, you got Jess Simpson, who's coming from the NFL, who can you know add some some some, some retrospect. Then you got the wild card. You've got Ed, who can you can always lean on. So yeah, there's, we a, lot are new, in, there's, there's a lot of new voices in there, and and Simpson's been in the NFL. Uh, he's had success uh, recruiting already at Miami. Coach Gerald Willis into. A monster, you know, second team All American, even though he didn't get drafted. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, it might have been the first or second recording of this podcast. I can't remember now. Uh, but essentially, John Ford had his best season under Simpson when he was here. Um, and then, you know, Robinson is just an excellent recruiter. I think now, instead of losing Tyson Campbell's and the Patrick Sertain, you know, we, juniors, we those kind of guys who, who you never had a chance at. Maybe now you do with a Travaris Robinson, you know, or maybe you don't lose a, a, a some of the guys that get out of the city, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, where did that guy go? You know, he, he went to he went where and, and why is he a first round pick or why is he a really good player? Well, T-Rob was on a lot of those guys, you know, recruiting them, whether he was I mean, in Florida or I'm South gonna, Carolina. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I don't see T-Rob being a better coach on the field than Mike Brown. But he is a way better recruiter because his personality fits college football. He gets it. Mike, Mike is a great guy. I mean, but I think that's not, why that's why DVD compliments that. Because well, DVD's DVD, been in the league. He's, he's, what, he's similar to Mike and what his experience is. So what, he can maybe coach it the same way. was his recruiter and that paired him a lot of times, Mike, that he could, you know, fill in the gaps. Mike is a good coach, good technician. Think T. Rob. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's a good coach. Now, the one thing that's a little different is T. Rob wants to and is able to coach the entire secondary, and I I don't mind that because you get better communication. I think if everybody's sitting in the same meeting, because that's the biggest thing that you see happen week in and week out on every team in college football is communication breakdowns in the secondary. 
And yeah, think, not, not just in not just in the meeting room, but also in, when you're doing group or individual. Yeah, when you're doing individual, I, you want to be on a string. I think that's going to be key. And here's the other thing: Bubble Bowling is going to have a full spring to get better. And him and the other guys in the secondary are going to have a full spring and off season to get to know each other and be acclimated. I mean. Listen, you know, it's funny. We've talked about the DB battle. We talked about the depth on the D line. Talked about the O line battle. Talked about the receiver battle. But I think the most important position in spring ball, hands down, not even close, is the linebacker position. And I think. Yep. I think that with this spring, Corey Flagg can elevate himself into a very solid position to be the starting Mike backer on the first play of the game against Alabama. And I think he, he can do that because he's got something that nobody else on that so far that has exhibited is he's got instincts. He he's got he understands game. he's got a, he understands what gap to fill. Listen. And maybe he's he's got to work on getting off blocks. He's got, but that's everybody's got to work on that. But instinctually, he knows well, where to Well, he's going to have an entire spring to work on the technique aspect. Well, let me tell you something. I remember after we signed him, my Texas people, you know, that are, follow the Texas recruit and specifically the Houston area, they were like, yeah, I don't know if he, you know, I think I think it's, it's you know, he played with all of the, the dogs. I, but then I would look at the what the, the stuff that the coach would you know, head coach at North Show was saying he was like, you know, jacking this dude off because he said this dude was like an extension of him on the field. And you saw the smarts and instinct the first year. Now, we got to clean up some technique things, maybe get a little bit bigger, stronger, and just go into spring practice and have a good spring practice. I think he's going to. And, and what you said, in the, right. and, and I think it was like an, out of the 19 podcasts that we recorded tonight. Uh, a podcast like number five is <laughs> all the great championship teams at the University of Miami were strong at defensive tackle and strong at Mike. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, you know, uh, my, my, my freshman year, 87, George Meyer was an anchor. He was smart. He was tough. Now, he couldn't cover. Couldn't cover a bed, you know, bed with a blanket. But, hey, we didn't ask him to cover. Um you know, 89, Tiger. Tiger was uh, a little bit more athletic version of George. Um, made some big hits. He was just solid, just really good. And don't uh, don't forget your boy, Mo and then Maurice Crumb. Mike. Mo, Mo Crumb was pretty bad, too. Crow, yeah. My old roomie. Matter of fact, I want to send a shout-out to his son, Mo Jr., who just got elevated to defensive coordinator at West Kentucky. But, but, but I'll say this. Um, Mo, Mo played a little bit of Mike, mostly Will, but Mike Barrow, Mike Barrow was the first, you know, he was the first one, you know, he had it all. And um, if they, they beat Alabama in the 93 Sugar Bowl, he probably goes in the first round instead of dropping to the second. But he had a great career and he's the type of guy that I, that I expect Corey that I expect Corey Flag to be. Yeah. But I'm more interested in 
I'm more interested in Sam Brooks, Avery Huff, and Terry Carson Cage. Yeah, the weaker side linebacker position is is really important. I think we all feel that Corey Flagg is eventually going to pass B.J. Jennings, who just, you know, look, the guy, he was oh, God willing. tried his best coming off of injury. Uh, but I think, you know, we all know that his instincts just aren't there. He's in his fourth year of college. He's going to be his fifth coming up. He started 11 games. I think he finished seventh on the team with 39 tackles. And just a lot of times he was out of position. But I think weak side linebacker, I feel good about Corey Flagg. I think Deshaun Troutman is going to come in and help. Um, at that middle linebacker spot, but it's the weak side where, you know, Manny talked about it during the season that a lot of these guys just didn't know where they were supposed to be. And I think part of that is a guy like Avery Huff who didn't always play linebacker a guy like Sam Brooks didn't always play linebacker uh, when they were in high school, they played, you know, rush end, they were playing safety, they were playing here, they were playing there. And so you're trying to mold these guys in, into what you want at weak side, but you don't really have that. And I think that's the one area that if you want to criticize Manny Diaz and say, hey, where did he fail? I think without a doubt, you can say, unfortunately, he wasn't able to recruit at an elite level at the linebacker position. And part of that has to do with the fact that there's just not a lot of great linebackers that come out of the state of Florida. Right? Well, I think no. a part of that is also part of that is, is also that Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pickney were so established and started yeah. since fresh, they were freshmen. It was difficult to get somebody to come in. Yeah, nobody, no, no five star guys gonna are gonna want to sit behind those guys. I mean, right. we were in the running for Justin Flo last year because he felt like he'd come in and start. I mean, if Shaq would have had another year, he damn sure wouldn't have been coming to visits because you know it's 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 just stone. You ain't starting. But I'm gonna say this: those guys, uh, part of the problem was. They didn't have a full spring, and that hindered them. But they're going to have a full spring and a full off season, and you're going to see a difference. Because Sam showed, he showed flashes. Now he gets to um, hone his craft for a full spring. You're going to see a difference. I think well, you're going to see a difference. Hey, yeah, and I think, spot. and I think at the linebacker spot, what you want to see is a guy that not only knows where to fill, but can also thump. And I think those are yeah. two things that maybe you've gotten a little bit of the feeling with Corey Flagg, but he can't thump yet because his body isn't there. And then Bradley Jennings can thump, but he can't fill. So I hopefully, hopefully we'll see that come together. Well, Manny made a good point. There's not a lot of Dylan Moses' type linebackers in the state of Florida. Guys who just come downhill and hit you in the mouth. Actually, to be honest with you, that guy doesn't really exist anymore, period. Uh, Michael Parsons is a unicorn. Uh, well, I think I think that Wesley Besanthe kid from Miami Central who's part of the 22 class is probably one of the few exceptions of a guy who could play linebacker at, at college and be effective. I think in terms of local, yeah, where, you, I agree. where you look at and you say there's a guy who's a natural linebacker. Terrence um, Lewis has good instincts, but I don't know if his off-field issues are going to sideline him. I, I hope he does well at Maryland, and I think Loxley would be a good mentor to him. Right. He was I'm never going to end see up what happens. Um, I'm interested to see what happens between him and Brandon Jennings at Maryland. Because, mm -hmm. You know, but Troutman, don't be surprised if Troutman makes some noise. Yeah. And Tyreek Austin Cave. Yeah. I agree. Out of New Jersey, not not here. <laughs> it's another guy from out of state. They got to bring it, just like Flag. Um, 
one thing I was going to say, and, and, and I'm getting back to Carlos's homework assignment. I don't think I've mentioned it on this take of the podcast. Maybe I did. I can't remember anymore. Um, but <laughs> Carlos gave me this long homework assignment of stuff he wanted to read in the offseason. So he got me doing all of this research. And my number one thought was, OK, how far away is Miami from really contending for national championship? Because now, you know, you've got a couple of good recruiting classes together. You've upgraded the coaching staff in terms of, you know, two position coaches, defensive line and DB. Manny's calling the defense again. You got, you know, an, an elite quarterback in Derek King coming in the next year. You've got two guys lined up after him. And I said, OK, what pieces are they missing? Where, where, where do they have to grow statistically? Because, you know, to me, you know, you can look at the last 15 teams that have won national championships since since 06 and you can find some common threads. So I did some of the research and I said, OK, what really stands out as, as a common thread between all of these championship teams? Well, well, number one, I would say it's elite quarterback play. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the exception of teams who were just so loaded and so good that they could win in spite of a quarterback. Uh, if you start going backwards right off the bat, all right, this is Mac Jones from 2020. He ranked first in quarterback efficiency. Uh, 2019, Joe Burrow, first in quarterback efficiency. This is FBS level. Trevor Lawrence, 2018 with Clemson, he was 12th. Jalen Hurts with Alabama, he was 20th. Deshaun Watson in 16, uh, he was 19th. Um, what was Ken Dorsey? I think he was 19th uh, when Miami won in, in 2001. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. Gino Toretta. Uh, I got. I don't have the numbers. Unfortunately, you know the NCAA uh, stats page only goes back to '99, so you're kind of limited in sort of team rankings. Like nobody's really organized. What was Miami ranked in 1983? Or what were they? Right. None of those things are. Chris, are but I can give you some more of, of the last 15 years. Ohio State, minute. for instance. Chris Wanky. Chris Wanky at '99. Well, let me. Uh, that's going to take. Well, a Jamie, Jameis Winston was Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston was also a baller. He was first. He was first. Um, <laughs> JT Barrett the following year with Ohio State, and I know Cardell Jones is the one who won the championship. But JT Barrett quarterback that team all the way through the season. He was second. Um, even AJ McCarron in 2012 with Alabama, he was second. Uh, Cam Newton with Auburn in 2010, he was second. Tim Tebow with Florida in 2008, he was fourth. Sorry, go ahead. Chris Twanky. Chris Winky at ninety nine. That's the one you want to know. Okay, let me let me go back and, and archive. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna he's gonna be top five. I guarantee you. Let's see here if I can find them. Man, it's gonna take me a minute. So you're gonna have to one hide. Yeah, he's he's got to be top five. Yeah, and I'm gonna make a point when he verifies it. Second, just just in case your fans didn't know, Manny is the king of stats because <laughs> as a writer, he lacks the uh, natural ability to compete. Chris, so Chris Winky was seventh. Okay, now who did he? Like have I said, he was. With? Like I said, he was top ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. He had Peter Warwick, Lavernius Coles, Anquan Bolden, Snoop Menace. I'm missing somebody. There were two more guys. And you know what's crazy is he had a baller at tight end too, didn't he? Yeah. We are lucky when I say we the University of Miami, that Randy Moss got kicked off the team. Right. I mean, can you imagine having him and Peter Ward together? Right, right. Well, well what I guess, I guess what other you... proof what other proof do you need that God is a Hurricanes fan? 
<laughs> well, hey, the other thing I was going to say, guys, and, and I'm going to do an article on this at a certain point. I don't know when I'm going to get to it because there's, there's a lot of research to be done. But another big factor, I think, is run defense. Um, that's that's another trait where, again, these guys are top 20, top 25 in run defense, obviously scoring defense. Most of these teams are elite. Um, LSU is one of the rare examples. They were 32nd in scoring defense, giving up close to 22 points a game. But they were also first in scoring, which made them 48.4 points per game. Yeah, we're um, scoring like 197 points a game. That's that's okay. Um, here yeah. we go. Alabama last year, 17th. LSU, 21st. Clemson in 2018 were fourth. Alabama in 2017 was first. Clemson in 2016 was 24th. Um Alabama in 2015, first. Here's one where, where it's kind of weird. Ohio State, they were 34th in run defense. Why were they so good? They still ranked number number five in scoring and eighth in rushing. So they just they just basically outscored teams. Uh, Florida State in 13 was 18th. Uh, Alabama 2012 was first. Alabama 2011 was first. This is run defense. Mm-hmm. Uh Another exception to the rule here. Well, no, not even. Auburn was ninth in 2010. Alabama was second in 2009. Florida was 15th in 2008. LSU here's, 12. Here's what I here's what I would uh, uh, ask you to look at. Also, Manny, mm-hmm. run rush offense and right. their efficiency in rushing the ball and their yards per carry because it, it's it, it, you know we could go into this whole spread offense theory that guys throw the ball over the field and Mike Leach has not won a national championship yet. I love oh, his yes. offense. He won't, but, but every time he, he talks about, you know, it doesn't matter about balance that so we don't have to run the ball. I can throw it 60 times. It's about distributing it to other guys. But at the end of the day, when it's fourth and one, when it's third and two and you need a first down, you've got to hammer down and get that first down. And guys, you need to be able to run the football and be balanced in a certain extent to the point where you can rely on your run game to get you the tough yards when 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 it's you know it's crunch time. Uh, there's two teams, actually <clears throat> three teams in the last five years who have won championships that weren't elite when it came to running the football. Alabama last year was 47th in rushing. LSU was 60th. And Clemson in 2016 was 71st. Mm. Run defense more important than run offense, at least lately. But, you know, those teams also had Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, and now Mac Jones at quarterback who ranked first, first, and 19th in quarterback efficiency. I mean, <laughs> to, to me, it, it's I, – I, I look at it from what all the research I've done. I think it's elite quarterback play and great run defense. I think those are the first two elements. And, you know – if Manny's taking over the defense again, they did play better run defense when he was in charge. My issue is, do you have the linebackers right now who are going to fill the gaps of the way they're supposed to? I'm sure the defensive line is going to be better. I'm sure the D tackles are going to be better. I'm sure the defensive ends are going to play well. Um, but can you get the linebacker play? That's what I worry about when I look at Miami and I say, we'll, how long we'll is it going to take them to get to a championship level? We'll be fine. I mean, we'll be fine. If your tackles are playing well, your linebackers are going to play better. Yeah. Because they occupy more gaps. They get in the backfield. That means they occupy the guards. You can't get to the second level. That means you can float to the ball. As Sepp used to remind me, nobody ever got the raid. No. Nobody got the raid. Well, and, and think about the Dolphins when Zach Thomas was making 197 tackles a year. 
you know, you had Tim Bowens, you had Daryl Gardner, you had guys that would occupy the offensive line and allow Zach to flow to the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me point something out too. The the offense is the last three years in terms of scoring. 48.5 points, 48.4 points, and 44.3 points. That's how many points they've averaged per game. Clemson, LSU, and Alabama just the last three years. And the lowest in the last 15 years in terms of point total, I'm looking it up right now, the lowest average points, you got to go back to 2006 with uh, Florida, the last time a team did not average at least 32 points a game. They averaged 29 points a game. Scoring. Why? Why did they win the championship? Because Charlie Strong's uh, defense was only giving up 13 points a game. Um, and Percy Harvin and Aaron Hernandez were pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And that bulldozer of a quarterback Chris wasn't Leak. bad either. Well, Chris Leak was uh, was the guy running the show then. But Dan yeah. Mullen and Charlie Strong, you had two future head coaches as coordinators. I mean, that's all part of this too. Is is the coordinators? I, I if I were to show you guys this list. I mean, there's really you go you look at every one of these championship teams. There's not a bad coordinator on them. I, I mean, maybe Ted Roof with Auburn in 2010 on the defensive side because they weren't great. No, he was. He and, was and the guy. position and the, and the position coaches were really good as well because you also have uh, was it Andino who's the offensive line coach, right? Who ended up being a head coach. Yeah, Billy Gonzalez who's been a coordinator who's a great uh, wide receiver coach for Florida. So you've got guys that are knowledgeable and great coaches and can recruit their ass off. That's It's the balance of guys are great technicians, great recruiters. Right. I mean, I hate to be the pompous UM guy, but greatest coaching staff of all time was that 87 staff. Um, all three was that Was that when Tommy was a, was a GA? No, John? Yeah, Tommy he was Tupperville? a GA. He was a GA. Uh, Ron Meeks, who was the defensive back GA, ended up being a defensive coordinator in the NFL with the Colts. Keith, Keith, uh, what's Keith's last name? Uh, which which Miami coach in the last 15 years has gone on? And I'm talking about assistants. I'm not talking about head coaches because head coaches, we know the answer. How many Miami head coaches slash assistant coaches in the last 15 years have gone on to bigger and better things in their career? Meaning they've gone from Miami, whether they're a position coach, or a coordinator and moved on to a bigger job? Uh, it's a little more than you think. Tommy Robinson. Jed Fish. Jed Fish. Um, hold on, let me think. Jeff Stoutland. And Larry Scott end up. Uh... Mario Cristobal. Well, Mario really wasn't on the staff here. I mean, I guess you'd, you'd say go back to like when Shannon was he here, right? He wasn't on the staff. Right. 06, I guess, 07, 08, that time, when he, before he took over. That was line coach, yeah. You right, understand. right, 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 right. I guess uh, in, recent, in recent memory, there's not a lot of examples. I guess Jed Fish and Larry Scott, you could say, right? Um, Recent memory? Which, which by the way, Mark. watch Arizona, because Jed Fish is a hell of a coach. Yeah. Mark, I mean, Mark I guess Wolf. my point is, is in the glory days, there were a lot better coaches here that went on to much bigger and better things versus now where, you know, maybe a lot of the moves are lateral, um, but I'm talking about going somewhere and accomplishing a ton and being, yeah. you know. Yeah, even, even a guy like Donnie Soldier, who Donnie Soldier won three straight state championships at Southbridge. Yeah, of course, Soldier was a hell of a coach. That first guy, he was a tight ends coach. 
then he ended up, uh, you know, coaching. Uh, it was it was a towel. It was a towel. <laughs> that it, towel it, around the neck. Um, guys, I don't know. Uh, I think it's probably we get time to to wrap this up. Is there any any final thoughts? Anything else we didn't talk about? We talked about the early enrollees. We I talked got one about for the you. Hires the NFL playoffs this weekend. The uh, what else? What else did we tackle? I got one for you. Go ahead. Fifteen and zero. <laughs> That's what you want me to tackle. Fifteen and zero. Jesus, Listen, going I, 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 I will be happy with. 10 and 2, 11 and 1, playing in a bowl game. That's for real. A, a serious bowl game. Winning the bowl game. And then 22 to me is a year that we're gonna we're gonna make noise. 15 and 0. All right. Listen, well, uh, Alabama well, Alabama, uh, which just won its six national championships since old Nikki got there in uh oh what was Nikki's first year? Oh seven. Yeah. Uh, I see how many number one recruiting classes in a row they got. Uh, well, they've finished one, five, one, and two in terms of recruiting rankings, and they've got 50. I know they're not all there still, but they've signed 50 top 100 recruits uh, in the four signing classes going into 2020. And if you add up the ones going into 2021, it's 36 top 100 recruits. I know all of them aren't coming back, but Miami's got nine. Nine top 100 recruits on this roster right now. It's all a right, bit, all right. it's let, me, let me ask Kelvin a question. Kelvin, as a guy who's won three rings, not one ring, and I'm not throwing shade at anybody, although I'm, I'm like subtweeting somebody, are you satisfied with the progress we're making right now? Um, from, the year, for, from his first year to the second year, yes. But there's still a lot of under – under underproducing, and I think he made the proper changes in the staff defensively to get guys to play up there to their potential. I expect DJ Ivy to be a better player this year. I expect Gervin Hall to come back and be who he was two years ago, and I expect Nesta to get even better. And the same thing with John Ford. Um, offensively. Listen, we're not having this conversation if our receivers drop their nuts. If the receivers, and and I'm going to say this, it's what, January 22nd, 2021. If our receivers can use this spring to take the next step, we're going to roll through everybody because what's going to happen, the biggest problem, one of the things that your your um, your stats are not going to show is when you have deep threats, guys that can go get 50, really, to be honest with you, the, the deep threat is more important than the big receiver. Like, um, one of the things we did in 91 is we had Horace Copeland who is in the Hall of Fame, UM Hall of Fame, not for football, but for track because he was the Big East high jump champion, 200-meter champion, long jump champion. So you had a 6'3 receiver who ran a 4'3'0 on grass. 
you had a slot receiver that ran a 4-2-4 on grass. Early in every game, Coach Erickson would throw the ball deep just to let the other deep, the, the defensive coordinator know, if you come with that foolishness, we're going to bomb you like the Japanese did in Hawaii. And so what happened was people had to play us in a shell. So now we can run the football. Well, if Keyshawn Smith or Michael Redding, even Charleston Rambo, Romelo Brinson, Romelo Brinson, if we can find the guy to be the deep threat, it's going to be tough to stop us because now you got to worry about uh, Eric throwing the ball over your head. When you're worried about that, now you got Will Mallory in the middle of the field up the seams, and you got Mike Harley in the slot and crossing routes. But all that does is that allows now possibly the two 350-plus-pound guards to, you know, combo block with the center and open up holes for Cam Harris and Don Chaney and Jalen Knight. So now you've got a three-headed monster. You've got the run game, you got the deep throws, and then you got the play action passes. I ain't even got to be your team running the football. So the most important thing for this team is for Keyshawn Smith to be as good as I think he is. Because if Keyshawn Smith or Romello Brinson or Michael Redding or Jeremiah Payton can become a deep threat, we're not going to be. But that's a big deal. Yeah, listen, uh, there's, there's, there's an old coaching adage. I can teach you to catch the ball. I can teach you to use your hands. I can teach you to fight for the ball. But I can't teach you to run a 4-3. No. And, yep. And if we can get that, those guys on the field that can do that, then that's a different space. Well, Keyshawn Smith showed some verse. And he probably should have played more here. But because of... Um, the NBA this spring, I don't think uh, Rick had a lot of confidence in the young guys. But he's going to have a full spring. All bets is off. And I think that's what I want all the fans to pay attention to. Spring And Rick coming back for a second year is huge, too. That is huge. We got a lot of things going in our favor. But look, I got to be honest, even if we go 10-2, and two, I'm going to be upset. I know uh, most of you guys are going to be excited, but it's there for the taking. We just got to go get it. You Delvin, know? I, got an, I got two sets of numbers for you. Ready? Yeah. 10-3, and 2023-2023. Okay. <laughs> so you're I saying we're going to go 10-3 ten, ten this year? And not going to contend until 2023. They're not going to win. 2023, so you're gonna, they'll win the ACC in 2023 when they got I two think classes. I think 2022 is a year. <laughs> I, think, I think 2022 uh, is a year. I think, and I and I said this to I said this to Garen last week. I said you guys could pull off something historical at University of Miami because if you win this championship, you're probably going to have to go through Alabama and Clemson twice. I just don't think there's enough depth yet. I just don't. And oh, I, we, we got a ton of depth now. 
Nope. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Out of those two teams, the one that really makes me more nervous is Clemson because they got the entire defense coming back. But here's the thing. And DJ yeah. Ukulele, the quarterback. Yeah, but he's not Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> what does worry me about them is, and luckily, I think we've upgraded at the, at the secondary position. They're going to have some gazelles out there wide out. With Justin Ross coming back, Latson being healthy, and Goddard being healthy, and EJ Williams, they're going to, and Aju Aju, they got five legit wide receivers. Plus, Brayden Galloway came back at tight end. But they got weaker at running back. I think Lynn J. Dixon is going to be good. I think Malusi will be good. But are they, Trev- are they Travis Etienne? No. Yeah, end, losing Etienne is huge. And, and and I think Avante Williams and James Williams are going to be listen, big time. Listen, we got a lot of potential. And like, I, you know, Manny heard me say this. You know, me and Scott talk about this all the time. You know what potential means? It means you ain't done shit. So I I I, I have no problems with Manny's skepticism being negative Nancy because <laughs> it's deserved. It's, it's deserved. I mean, we have not proven that we can handle the spotlight. But at some point, you get tired of Manny, didn't you get tired of getting your lunch money took? I mean, at some <laughs> point, you started fighting back. Nobody gets between me and my chicken wings, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I just, just think, think I just think the hole at linebacker is too big to overcome. I don't think they're gonna end up, you know, I think they gotta recruit one. better linebackers. And I think not receiver I think Romello Brinson and a lot of the younger guys that they're getting now, it's hard to be major contributors as freshmen. So I think once Jake Garcia or Tyler Van Dyke is entering their second year as a starter and Leonard Taylor and James Williams are projected first round picks and whoever else they recruit in the next signing class, I don't know if it's Shamar Stewart or somebody like that, whoever else that that they get here in the next year, when those guys are grown up a little bit, they've had two years, two, three years under their belt, and they're getting excellent quarterback play because, you know, whoever Rhett Lashley leaves in charge is, is doing the right thing, then I think they'll be ready to contend. I just think, you know, linebacker and wide receiver, you can't have any holes. Championship teams don't have holes. I mean, go back and look at all five Miami championship teams. Where were the holes on those championship teams? Um, Offensive line or something? <laughs> but well, you know what's funny? When Jimmy was there, we didn't really have an overpowering line at 88-7. Um, and then 89, Erickson brought in a different scheme. So we weren't like just bull rushing people, but we were very efficient, even in the run. And then my, se- my, my senior year, we had Steve McGuire. We ran the ball on, every, you know, on everybody. Matter of fact, against Nebraska, we ran the clock out. Now, we weren't. And Larry Jones. Yeah, Larry Jones has been the MVP. But, you know, I'm not – hey, listen, what you're saying is warranted and it makes sense. But what I'm saying is it's there. It's there because if you go back to the team, the 2017 team in Alabama that won the championship, nobody saw that coming. Well, they, I mean, they had a lot of talent on those teams. Listen, we're we're out of time. We're under a minute left, and I gotta I gotta call it here at this point. But we're, we're gonna we'll be back. Wide right is gonna be 15. back. We're gonna have Carlos on again. We're gonna have Kelvin on again. We'll be talking more Canes. What'd you say? Fifteen and zero. Fifteen and zero. 
I say 2023. Carlos, what do you say? I say 2022 and Kelvin, give me some of that gas for smoke. <laughs> 15 and 0. All right, guys, we out. See you next time.